This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and greatly appreciate your information. And welcome to you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly. But right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about these crazy temperatures, my gosh, 65 to 38 to who knows where, and what it does to the plant materials. It's really kind of an amazing. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. This is Saturday morning. We get together for a discussion about what's impacting your backyard, side yard, front yard, your specialty garden space, those house plants. How are they doing? And uh, I want to make my house plant better by putting it in a larger pot. Is that something I should be doing? And if I do put it in a larger pot, how much larger should it be? And what should I have in there? Potting mix or potting soil, and outside, eh, it's not. It's kind of wet right now, but uh, you don't want to get out there and work in wet soils. But if it dries up and you want to make some improvements to your soil, there's plenty of things that you could be doing. And uh, let's say even to your lawn, you still got an opportunity to do some core aeration. How about pruning, shearing? Is there any bugs that you need to be worrying about? The information I'll share with you and my thoughts hopefully will open opportunities and solidify your options. Of course, with that final judgment of the action you're going to take, it's going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Ethan. He's producing today, and uh, when you call, he will answer the phone. All he needs is your first name. He'll put it up on the computer And then I will talk to you. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation if you like. You can go to my, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And on the homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I just kind of wandered through the neighborhood a little bit and saw what uh, was still colorful. I was surprised there are still asters blooming, you know, not big, huge amounts, but still, you know, quite a few uh, 
blue blooms <laughs> on those asters. Some of the moms were still doing pretty darn good. And then, of course, then the evergreens start popping out. The conifers and the broadleaf evergreens, they kind of take a backstage circumstance when all the trees and everything are fully leafed out. But now they're really coming to the forefront. So the pines, the spruces, uh, really looking good. Norway spruce, wow. There's one right across the street from me, and it is the amount of pine cones that some of these trees are producing is just absolutely amazing. The white pines, that seems to be the one that's most prominent through the neighborhoods. And uh, myself, I have mugo pines, I have boxwood, and I have a, a cypress tree. So uh, there's just so much stuff going on in the outdoors. And berry-wise, the winter berries really are striking. So they must have had a great spring, good summer. Now they've lost their foliage. So in other words, they're a holly, not the classic holly, because they do not hold on to their leaves for the entire winter, but uh, they really, the amount of berries they have produced this year is really striking. Christ Church Cathedral is right across the street from uh, the entrance into our offices and studios, of course. And I just took a look quickly over there, and uh, man, oh man, the winter berries they have are just incredible with the amount of uh, fruits that are on them. And they still have some mums in bloom, too. So there's they work on that. Uh, it's around the parking lot. The planting areas, They there's people over there a lot taking care of that. So they're very conscientious about that. But other things I've seen through the neighborhood that kind of caught me by surprise, well, not too much, to be honest with you, because I walk a lot and uh, – I just kind of keep my eyes open for what there is going on in the outdoors because, to me, the outdoors is what it's all about. And uh, what am I doing in here then? I don't know. I should be doing this show outside someplace. But uh, anyway. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Folks, we've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You still got an opportunity to head to your favorite garden center, and uh, guess what? You can still plant woody plant material. The trees and shrubs, it's fine. The ground is not frozen yet. Perennials, uh, I'd kind of stay away from them, but uh, they you may be okay with them if you can get them at a decent price and you feel comfortable with the uh, and you got the bed you know prepared, then that's fine. With the perennials, one of the things you have to remember is uh, uh, what mulch does. Mulch really helps a lot of various different things. What it does is kind of. Ex- it kind of minimizes the amount of expansion and contraction that the soil does during the wintertime with the freezing and thawing cycle, and that's really important. Things like uh, pine needles, wood chips, sawdust, leaf mold, and compost are useful materials for mulching for winter protection. Uh, most of those items, are some of them are, some eyes, 
things are just a little bit too dense to go around your perennial. So just be cautious and careful about that. Straw or evergreen branches can be placed over some of the perennials, especially the kind of the evergreen perennials, so placed around them just to offer some protection. And also allows some light and air to penetrate in there, which is very useful. Avoid using any kind of straw or hay or any of that kind of stuff because it's problematic from the standpoint that it has potentially seeds that you don't want mixed in with your plant material. So it's just stay away from that. And also, if you put it too dense, then it can cause problems from a humidity, you know, rotting standpoint. Heavier materials placed around uh, the tender perennials, that's fine. You can keep them in place. Stiff leaves, such as those from oak trees, are really a good mulch because of the slow rate of decomposition. Soft leaves, such as maples and ashes, often become a little bit too soggy during the wintertime and can actually suffocate some of the perennials. So just be careful and cautious. Mulch is just not something that you go and just put it all over the place. That's just that's not what really happens or it shouldn't happen because it's not going to really help your plant material. And with uh, your perennials, probably uh, two inches deep should be adequate with most of them, either whether they're evergreen or deciduous. And uh, so I can't. Let me see here. We got a call, but I don't see the name of them. All I see is a city. Okay, Eugene, how are you today? Hello? Good morning. Can you hear me? Eugene, are you there? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Yes, sir. I'm here. Can you hear me? No. Hello? Hello. Good morning. It's, uh, you're breaking up. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll call you back on my other line. I'm sorry about that. I'll call back. In That's okay. Now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Okay. My question is, good morning. Thank you. What, what's the best remedy you think to get rid of uh, Bermuda grass? The best thing to do is to go after it with an herbicide, you know, a grass killer or something like that. And if it's mixed in with your other lawn, there's really, I mean, there's a few things that will selectively get rid of it. But, uh, you know, that's 
you know, just uh, I would, you know, if you've got an area that's really bothering you, I'd kill everything in the area. That's going to be probably the best way to go and start all over again. And if it's a large area, just do a section at a time. Okay. All right. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. You have a good day. Sure. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's head over to Collinsville and go into Joseph's yard. Hi, Joseph. Um, just Alton Joseph. <laughs> Hi, my. Um, I have a good morning to you. I wanted to ask you about uh, spider plants. I brought mine in. Uh, they're in the basement. Uh, how often should I water these? Uh, they're pretty tough and durable. So consequently, what uh, you can, they can almost take water. I, they don't want to be in water all the time, but just uh, that's kind of what the situation is. You don't have to overwater, but uh, they, they're they tough and durable, so they can take I mean, you can actually root them or grow them in water, so that shows you how tough mm-hmm. they are. And then probably, you know, just kind of routinely take a look at them, and if you start to see the potting mix they're growing in shrinking away from the size of the pot, that's a time when you want to go ahead and do some watering. Before I brought them in, I cut all the... Uh the babies off. Okay. Was that a good idea? Well, it wasn't necessary, but uh, they're pre- like I say, they're pretty tough. Are they in light in your basement? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So you could have left those on, but if you wanted to cut them off, it doesn't really hurt. You know, it doesn't do any damage to them. Okay. Okay. I just thought, well, it's, it won't be taking that much moisture. They concentrate on the plant, let it get through the, the winter and Bring them out, uh, out in the spring and the summer. Right. Hey, you have a great show. Uh, one more thing. Sure. I have an uh, uh, evergreen that looks kind of uh, scrawny. Uh, I bought some spikes, and I put those in the ground, evergreen spikes, supposedly to give it some perk, but it didn't seem like it'd do any good, and that was a, a year or so ago. What do you suggest? Uh, probably it's just not uh, maybe not. Well, let's put it this way. How old is a plant? So it's. Probably about 30 years old. Oh. Probably even longer than that. So it's probably an age factor, and maybe that particular variety is just not a good variety for the location. So uh, just fertilizing and things like that is not going to bring something, a plant that's that old, back to being aesthetically something more that's more enjoyable for you. Okay. Okay. I might take it out and put a new one in. <laughs> but when you <laughs> when you plant it, remember the root ball, the hole that you're going to dig, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So you want the top of the root ball above the surrounding ground. And then uh, okay. three or four inches of uh, a good mulch that's, you know, for acid-loving plants. Now, I use rubber mulch. Oh. Is that a good idea? Yeah. Uh, it's aesthetically, it's it's fine. And the beauty of it is I take the vacuum cleaner out there, suck up big bunches of it and wash it and reuse it. <laughs> right. But it doesn't really help your plant material. So it's great okay. for you. But mulch, when it's on top of the ground, it starts bio de- decomposing. And that adds, that helps your soil, that helps your plant material. Where the rubber, like you said, you just keep cleaning it up and redoing it. So it's not really beneficial to the plants. It's beneficial to you. Okay. Okay. Hey, you have a nice show. Well, thank Peace you. be with you. You bet. Same Bye-bye. You. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
fertilizing doesn't plant material that are, is not healthy is not going to turn things around. There's no getting around it. And probably for everyone, this is the time of year, you know, every week I say the same thing related to getting a soil test done. So you can find out what the chemistry of your soil is, and that way you can make adjustments as needed. And just with any kind of thing that, let's say, historically has been something that's been accepted, like, say, like putting lime on your lawn, that is not something you should be doing unless your soil test has indicated your soil is extremely acidic, then maybe lime would be advisable. But for the most part, your lawn wants to have a slightly acidic soil, not a slightly alkaline soil. And that's what lime does is make it alkaline. And alkalinity just kind of weakens your lawn just in general. So the soil test will sh- will tell you what the soil pH is, and then consequently you can make that, that transition. Also remember that uh, if your dogs, if you have dogs, of course when they're running along the fence, that's you know that area becomes so compacted you're not going to get anything to grow there anyway. And uh, but also wherever they, you know, dog urine has high nitrogen content, and that's why it burns wherever they go, whether it's a male, you know, on the side of a shrub or whether it's a female in the lawn area or it doesn't matter, male or female. But uh, that's just keep that in mind that that's where the problem is with uh, the dog urine. It's not the alkalinity. It's not anything else. For some reason, they have high nitrogen content. And uh, your ornamental grasses, leave those blades through the wintertime. You're better off to do that just to protect the crown of the plant. And uh, let's see. Oh, also, if you have, you've been buying your plants either in flats or in pots or whatever, remember that the recycling of that plastic is something that's advisable to do. So I've got mine collected and getting ready to take them to uh, the down to the dumpster for recycling. So let's go now to Brennan. Brennan, how are you? Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have some uh, limelight um, globe hydrangea, the ground uh, variety. They're about three years old, and uh, the first two years I didn't have any problem, but um, I know this is a, an ongoing question with a lot of people, but the, the, the deer this year came through and just in early spring and just stripped them down like, like they were skewers. Um, <laughs> so um, luckily they did put some leaves back out and you know pretty much survive the winter um but you know that popular question what would what can i do to try to deter them next year in your opinion i know they're relentless but um just that's my question okay yeah unfortunately once they get you know have found something they have a tendency to get you know even though you don't think of animals having memories and things like that they'll have a you know uh, probably a tendency to come back to this, you know, some place that they found something that they really like. Uh, you can deter them. You know, it's just you might try some repellents. You might try some uh, Irish Spring soap just to hang it in the, you know, don't hang it necessarily from the shrub, but hang it from, you know, let's say posts or hooks or whatever uh, around their, your limelight. And uh, so that's probably going to be the better thing to do than, tr- you know, Anything you just don't else. like the smell of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and that's I what will the try that. yeah the repellents do the same thing. But 
you know, sometimes repellents, if there's no foliage or anything, you spray it on the stems, and that's not enough to actually as, you know, be a deterrent. Sure, sure. Okay. And um, I put a new, um, like a limelight, the, the, the taller variation, the, um, you know, the, the tree style. Right. I just put it in um, maybe two, three weeks ago. It'll be okay to go ahead and prune that in the winter, correct? Uh, in the first year, probably the first two years, I wouldn't do any pruning. Because okay. the more leaves that are there, the better it's going to be for the tree to get, or the you know shrub or the woody plant material to get acclimated to the location. So, okay. to, and that just encourages root system growth. Okay, so don't even clip the old globes off. No, just I mean you can cut the old flowers off, but uh, any you know minimize the amount of stems that you're going to cut. Okay, okay, thanks for your show. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, this is a time of year where if you're into birds, I mean, they are really (laughs) uh, all over the place. Let's put it that way. We live in the city, and uh, I don't use bird feeders. I just throw my bird seed out on the sidewalks. And sometimes I'm just amazed at what the amount of birds that are there. And uh, even some things that I don't think of, uh, let's say, being seed lovers— like a blue jays. Blue jays will come down, lots of sparrows, lots of wrens, few cardinals. There was Cardinals were more prominent earlier in the year, but for some reason they've migrated uh, you know, in a different direction than uh, you know, where we are. But uh, I spend uh, a lot of time putting out the, you know, well, I just throw it. I don't spend, but uh, just, and I mix the varieties of bird seed that I use as well. Because unfortunately, some of the bird seed has uh, a lot of the sunflower seeds, and then uh, that invites the squirrels around. So, and even like my the finch food, the thistle, I'm surprised when I you know throw that out. Like I say, I alternate that the squirrels can they they can eat that. I don't. It just seems like it's so small. I wouldn't think it would be something that they'd fool with, but they do. So, anyway. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, so give us a call. We'll be back after these messages. Is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, we've put out pumpkins you know, just for seasonal decoration for Thanksgiving, blah, 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 or for fall. And man, oh, man, for, uh, you know, they've probably been out for five or six weeks. And the squirrels kind of stayed away from them. But I guess the food is getting a little bit more sparse because the weather's getting colder and the weather or the days are getting shorter or whatever. But the squirrels have devastated one of our pumpkins. I mean, it made it look like some kind of freaky monster-looking thing. And uh, it was like, or somebody threw up or so. I don't know exactly what, you know, how to describe it. But it's one that uh, Tracy got these, you know, ornamentation, decoration-type things. And what you did is you took a pumpkin and you stuck all these things in it that made it look like a turkey. So <laughs> why the, you know, why the squirrel went after that one and, I mean, just totally devastated. The other ones they've taken a little bit of bites out of, 
but nothing like this particular one. So this was a kind of a, one of those odd uh, pumpkin type things. Their gourds are not exactly sure what it was, but it has all those lumps and bumps and everything else on it. And the, the squirrels obviously liked it. So, but today when uh, the show's over and I head home, I'm going to go first get some more bird seed, but uh, consequently. Uh, the fall decorations are going to come down and start probably putting up some of the, uh, let's see, Christmas-type things or just some lights and things along that line, some snowflakes. Even though uh, I don't really look forward to having any snow happen, but uh, sitting you know, in our, in our house looking across Christie Park, it's really kind of nice uh, – when it's you know when it does snow or when it is snowing, so that's really a nice nice factor. Other things that you need to be thinking about in your you know with your landscape tools and everything else. This is a good time of year to if you don't know how to do it to take your mower to a shop and have them sharpen your mower blades because mower blades that are not sharp, what they do is when they cut the cut the lawn when you're mowing it, the top of the grass blade is that's remains is kind of shredded. It's not really a smooth cut, and that just sets up the situation to uh, cause problems from fungus, just cause problems from an aesthetic standpoint because they, you know, they may kind of brown at the tip, and you'll be thinking, why is this, you know, turning brown or those type things. So just, you know, and the same thing applies to like tools, whether it be a shovel, whether it be a, any anything that you're digging with, sharpen those. It's always going to be better for your you know the plants and for the soil, and it's going to make it a little bit easier for you to go ahead and do the work yourself. So just keep that in mind. How about your bulbs? Have you gotten some daffodils and tulips that you still haven't planted? Well, you still have time and an opportunity to go ahead and do that. So, you know, with the tulips and daffodils, tulips go down about six inches or so, four to six inches, and the tulips down about four inches. And uh, it's going to be just uh, – it's a little bit of work. The weather's cooler, and uh, the the ground is going to be cool, So, you st- but it's gonna, it's getting cooler but it's still warm enough that you can get these things put into the ground. And what they need to do is the ground has to be warm enough to trigger some root growth. And then consequently, when spring rolls around, then that's when you get the rewards of doing work several months ahead of time. So just keep that in mind. And a lot of some of the garden centers actually have some of the bulbs for, you know, on sale for a little bit uh, reduced price. And if you want to have like crocus and grape hyacinths and things like that, those are the smaller bulbs, and uh, you can go ahead and you know plant those as well. Now those only go down down about uh, one to two inches, either in a potting mix because you're growing them in pots, or in a into the ground into the soil. And uh, so just uh, there's a lot of things that you can still be doing in the outdoors. Pruning wise, you can take a look at. Uh, some of your shrubs and do some pruning to those. And uh, consequently, just I advise not doing any pruning on evergreens because the evergreens, if you prune them now, we know that we're going to have some harsh weather. And then consequently, what's going to happen as a result of that is 
the the tips that you've cut off of your broadleaf evergreens or your evergreens just in general have been protecting and they're over let's say they're more acclimated to the harshness potential of the weather and uh, when that's removed then you're exposing some leaves and you know needles and things like that to the cold weather and we know the cold weather's coming now we have a huge uh, mugo pine that between our let's say our kitchen and the sidewalk and i have to do some pruning on that as a result of because it overgrows the sidewalk and i don't like to force people to walk around my shrub on the sidewalk so i did some pruning but i cut those branches all the way back to whatever it's growing out of so in other words to that intersection let's head over to richard's yard now hi richard hey mike hi um question for you i was a little confused earlier you said that um ornamental grasses should or should not be should be uh trimmed at this time of year and the same with hostas a hostas it doesn't matter you can cut those back there's no problem with that the ornamental grasses i you know a lot of times people don't like them because they start to shatter but that usually doesn't happen until we're more into the winter time but uh, just to have the blades there actually protects the crown of the ornamental grasses and just makes it a little bit more vibrant and viable, let's say, for the future. So that's why I'm saying don't necessarily cut them back right now. You don't need to do that. Okay. And hostas, yes or no? Yeah, definitely. You can cut those because, the, the let's say, the dead leaves on the hosta really doesn't offer any protection for the crown. They don't need that. And the, and okay. So, I mean, you can cut the grasses if you want, but, uh, you know, I just think it's probably not, a, you know, it's not going to be the best thing for your particular grass. And when should I cut them? Uh, basically when we're coming out of winter, like around Valentine's Day or something like that, and then just put a uh-huh. bungee cord around them and then just cut them off with a hedge trimmer, depending upon the variety like if you have a maiden grass, you want to cut it back down to about six or eight inches. And with the ornamental grasses, most of them, the old blades, where the old blades were growing, that won't produce new growth. It'll be on the perimeter of that. So that's, you know, just realize that that's going to happen. And if you have a clump that's you know pretty old, you're going to notice the center has no blades in it at all. So Ultimately, you're going to have to dig up the whole clump, chop out the center, which doesn't produce any grass blades whatsoever, and then put the uh, the perimeter back into the hole. Okay. Very good. Thanks very much. Sure. My pleasure. We do have phone lines, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. There's a lot of things that you uh, have to consider. Sorry, my screen just went down. Got computer problems. So Ethan's going to have to come over and log back in. Anyway, so this is a time of year where you can really be advised to have a tree service come out and take a look at some of your trees just to make sure there was no damage. Thank you, Ethan. I'm just not able to push any buttons. Huh. They told me, keep your fingers off those things. 
And let's head over to Elias's yard. Hi, Elias. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? Hello? Yes, go ahead. Hello? We heard you. Hello, Mike? Yes. Oop. Oh. Maybe you'll give it. Give us a call back, Elias. I don't, I heard your uh, radio in the background, so I don't know exactly what was you know what was going on. But anyway, back to the tree service. This is a good time of year to have the tree service come out and evaluate your deciduous and your evergreen trees for potential problems. And uh, a lot of the trees still have foliage on them. That doesn't really make that much difference. The arbor, true arborist, can take a look and they can see that. Uh, Oh, man, you know, the growth on this particular tree is not exactly, you know, not exactly good, let's put it that way. And the importance of foliage on, you know, any plant material is the foliage is what collects the sun, and that then uses the nutrients that are absorbed up from the root system, and it makes food. And that's what, uh, you know, the plant material has to have to be able to be successful. So, Watch out about pruning too much, you know, cutting things way back too much, okay. except, you know, the perennials and things like some of the perennials, like hostas and things like that, just more or less disappear. And uh, but uh, some of the other plant material, just uh, don't cut them back too severely. Let's go over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I have a question on tree roots. Uh, we recently took down a deck. And now we notice that the tree roots are above the surface of the ground. It's a maple tree, mm-hmm. and these roots are about oh, 15 to 20 feet away from the tree. You know, they kind of like come up above, and they seem like they're maybe um, oh, inch, inch and a half thick. Can we cut those? Uh, you're probably better off not to. I mean, that's an unfortunate thing, but uh, that's one of the things certain trees – and depending upon the soil type, you know, even other varieties can have their, you know, surface rooting. And the surface rooting is really what's most important because that's where the feeder roots are. And the feeder roots are basically within the top 5 to uh, 10 inches of the soil. And that's what absorbs all the nutrients and all the moisture and everything else that I was just talking about that then sends it up to the leaves and then the leaves use the sunlight to make chlorophyll, which is food for the plant material. Right. So once you start, you know, cutting those, you know, those roots, then you're just kind of, I don't want to say dooming, but potentially dooming, you know, the tree. Yeah. Okay. Even if there's some that are smaller diameter, we cut those little ones or don't cut any of them? You're probably better off not to cut any of them. And I know it's really a heartache and a hassle and things like that, but uh, that's sort of the advantage of certain ground covers that can grow over the tree roots, and then you don't have to see them, and then, you know, it's a good uh, circumstance. Yeah, nobody will trip over them then. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can just put, you can put mulch over it. You don't have to wait for ivy or vinca minor or something like that to actually cover them up. So there's other ways that uh, you don't have to worry about them. But you're better off not to fool with the surface roots. Okay. Well, 
I appreciate the information because I was going to come. I thought I'd better call first and get some information. So, Well, I appreciate your help. Thank sure. you very much. My pleasure. And now Goodbye. let's head over to Elias. Hi, Elias. Hi. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I bought some uh, some Trimec for a cool, cool grass uh, thing. Now, I wait till next year to put it on the grass. Uh, yes. Putting okay. anything on your lawn this time of year is not to the advantage of, you know, yeah. the effectiveness. So just yeah. re- read the label and follow what the label says as far as the timing, temperature-wise, and everything else. Yeah, I did. Second question about uh, the bonsai. Does bonsai need a special uh, soil mix? Uh, just not necessarily because... All they need to do is have a soil mix that's going to be, you know, one that's well-drained, and uh, that's pretty much it. So, Like potting soil is okay, or? I Probably potting soil, I would maybe, if I was going to, so do you have bonsai dishes? Uh, yeah. Okay, so have you already planted them? No, no, I tried to make one, but I want to see... I have potting soil in my garage, you see, but I said, no, maybe it needs special kind of soil. Well, you can use a potting soil, but what I would do is potting soil is, you know, sometimes it holds too much moisture as opposed to potting mix. But if I was going to use a potting soil that you have, I'd mix about uh, probably 20% of, like, with pea gravel in with oh, that. And then, okay. you know, then plant the, you know, the small shrub or tree, or whatever you're going to try to grow from a bonsai. Okay. It is it is the time to plant garlic, or I wait till December? Uh, you can do it now. I mean, <laughs> this is only a few days away. But, yeah, yeah. Is, is do you have it? I mean, do you have it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, somebody told me you planted the shortest day of the day, and you harvested harvested the longest day of uh, of the year. <laughs> That's a pretty good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, any of the onion family can be planted later in the season, like uh, what we, what you're talking about. Yeah, I bought two head from uh, the supermarket, you know, and then I planted, you know, now, you know, till uh, till next year, right? You know, they survive the weather, right? Yeah. And my my last question: Somebody gave me half a bag of cypress cypress uh, mulch. It's about three four years old. Shall I go ahead and use it or pitch it? No, no, it, it's it should be fine. I mean, just when you take a look at it, when you start spreading it, just realize that it may have some fungus and mold because I'm assuming it was in a plastic bag. Yes, yeah, in the plastic bag. Yeah, right. So. so. But okay. even if it does, it's not really going to be detrimental to the plant material. Yeah. My last question is about the amaryllis. I cut the foliage, but they are dry. Shall I give them like quarter a cup water or leave it till till they sprout? Uh, you can go ahead and just let them go dormant. So in other okay. words, it had the foliage, you've cut the foliage off, then you're going to let it go dormant, and then it'll shoot up the flower uh, spike you know, okay. yeah. probably four yeah. to six weeks. Yes, right. By January, will sprout. Yeah. Right. So, oh, okay, great. Well, thank you for your service, and have a good day. Well, thank you. And mm-hmm. Bye-bye now. Bye. And uh, Chuck, could you do it kind of quickly? Yes, sir. I got two quick questions. I've got in the front yard, a large oak tree between the sidewalk and the street. 
and the Gauls really did a job on it a couple of years ago. Oh. And I've got probably half the limbs are dead. Should I call the, the county and have them? I guess they pay for it, right? I would assume so, since it's a street tree. But I don't. I can't guarantee that's going to be the situation. Okay. Second thing, I've got a in the backyard a maple tree, and like the previous caller, uh, a big chunk of root has popped up out of the ground, and it's heading right to our our patio. And it's within a foot now. It's traveled probably fifteen feet. What can I do? Well, unfortunately, I mean, with a situation like this, it's going to cause some major damage, you know, you know, to your patio. I'm assuming, and uh, so you may have to go ahead and you know dig down and see where that root is, and just cut that, you know, cut that root. Don't just you know guess where it is, and uh, you know when you've got a structural situation like that, as opposed to just growing in the lawn, that's the difference. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really love your show, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's unfortunate. As I walk through the neighborhoods, you can tell some of the street trees, you know, that have kind of already caused problems for some of the sidewalks and things along that line. So you want to avoid damage to your patio, especially if it's a solid piece of cement or, you know, something along that line. And even if it's not, it's going to cause, you know, disruption. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Thanks, Scott. Greatly appreciate it. And, uh, wow, what a change. As I look out the window, it is so bright and sunny. And when I got here just an hour and a few minutes ago, you couldn't even hardly see the trees in the park area right behind the building. Absolutely incredible. And welcome to you. It is a garden hotline, tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give give us a call. We still have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show we're here. We can discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs, annuals. Yes, the pansies and things like that are still doing pretty, you know, pretty well. They're not great, but uh, not bad. And uh, your bulbs, whether it's the bulbs that you've already planted or you've had planted, your spring flowering bulbs or your summer bulbs. I've got uh, mine. I'm going to do something a little bit different. Historically, I've always dug up my elephant ears and cannas and things like that from the pots and then, you know, shaken all the potting mix off of them and put them in paper bags and brought them into my basement. What I'm going to do this year is I've left some of the elephant ears just in the ground. I put some in the ground and I want to see if they're going to be able to survive. I know the cannas can. But uh, I'm going to try it with the elephant ears. And then a lot of them, the elephant ears and cannas both, I'm just leaving them in the pots. I have pretty large pots, and I have them sitting in the garage. And I want to see how well they're going to do without, you know, digging them up out of the pots and shaking the potting mix off and bringing them inside into the basement. So I'm just trying some different things. And uh, ground covers. I've got several different varieties of ground covers. I have a a sedum that uh, fills the spaces between 
the sidewalk and street. So uh, it's still looking. It looks pretty good. So if you have ground cover circumstances, just give us a call. House plants, lawns, your zoysia by now should be pretty much brown. Not totally necessarily, but getting there pretty close. And and then your cool season lawn, your fescues or bluegrasses, you still have an opportunity where you can do some fertilizing fertilizing of your lawn. And again, back to the soil test circumstance, find out what nutrients you have there in the soil. That way you don't repeat the same thing with the fertilizing type or fertilizer type that you're going to get. Your roses, it's time to be cutting them back and then putting some mulch over them. The hybrid teas, granted floors, and floribundas, about six or eight inches of mulch over the crown. The shrub roses, like the knockouts, they don't need that much because they don't have that grafted you know, crown that uh, some of the other hybrids do. Your shrubs, trees, roses, vines, and, uh, oh, water gardens, of course. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board, Ethan is there. He's really helped me out a couple of times. My computer screen, wow, I don't understand, has gone blank several times. It's like, <sighs> what am I going to do? Anyway, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and my email address and phone number is there. Also, I have another email that's mmillerdesigns.com. 22 at gmail.com. So uh, my AT&T is still functional, but uh, I've had some you know problems with AT&T, and so consequently I'm trying to convert to something else. Tip of the trial goes as, out to a, as a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. We had a heck of a lot of leaves you know, out into the streets and things like that. And I greatly appreciate the street sweepers from the city of St. Louis that came and got a lot of the leaves picked up. So they did, uh, you know, with the holiday and everything else, it kind of puts extra pressure on them. So I'm giving a tip of the trial to the individual, the people who on Tuesday were out street sweeping, I guess in anticipation that Thursday was going to be a day when they weren't going to be because of Thanksgiving and holidays and things like that. So thank you very much, the street sweeping people for the city of St. Louis. Again, the tip of the trial is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Let's head back to the phones and try to get a couple calls uh, before we take a break. Let's go over to Amy's yard. Hi, Amy. Hi. uh, I'd like to know if it's okay to cut down my clematis. Uh, How long has it been in the ground? Uh, this is going on the third year. I would say leave it alone. Leave it alone, huh? Yeah. Uh, generally, clematis don't want to be cut for the most part. And are you cutting it because of? It's just all dead. The leaves are wrapped around the trellis and it's just all brown. Right. And so if you cut it, it may be able to resurge the growth, and, you know, and get to the same, you know, same height, or you know, fill your trellis up. But uh, you're taking a chance by cutting it down. So you could go ahead and do it, and then see what you think. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Sure. It's just, Have a good day. yeah, clematis is just not something that generally is, uh, you know, 
pruned back. That's just kind of left alone. Now let's well, head does, on. Oh, go does ahead. Does the green, does the um, new growth come from the dead vines that are on the trellis now? Yes, that does. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, pruning it, I don't know. With a clematis, it takes them a couple of years to get acclimated, so you're going to get, you know, you're going to set back the flowering and everything else, that whole cycle. So, Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. That's what you have to be concerned with. All right. Thank you, Mike. Have yeah. a good day. Yes, thank you. And let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Thank you. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I've got a question. I've got some roses that I've had them in the ground for years. And and my mother taught me years ago, when you cut the uh, flowers off, the old, you know, after they're done blooming, she said to cut them back to where it's got five leaves coming out of the stalk of the plant. I didn't do that very much this year. So my question is, what do I do now? How far can I cut them back? Uh, ba- are they like hybrid teas or grandiflores, or are they shrub type? Shrub type. Okay, shrub types, I would probably not cut any more than 20% off of them. Okay, thank okay. you very much. I appreciate that. Yep, and uh, do some mulching. They don't need as, as much mulch as the uh, hybrid teas or grandiflores, but they definitely need some mulch would be to their advantage. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. This morning when I got up, I noticed, uh, wow, it's really foggy. And uh, then I looked out, uh, cars across the street, uh uh-oh, they've got frost on the windows. So today I had to scrape the frost off my windshield and everything else. It was the thickest frost we've had so far. And it wasn't really that cold. So I know when it gets to, you know, a certain degrees too cold, you're not going to get the frost necessarily. But with the humidity and everything else, today was just a totally wild and crazy morning where the fog was so thick I could barely see, you know, two houses away. And then also with the frost on my car, it was just like, wow. I had to scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape. And uh, just, you know, it shows you how crazy the weather is. And now the sun is bright and everything else. And like, as you know, four hours ago at five in the morning, you couldn't even see anything. Let's head now over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. We haven't had much sun here yet, but it was kind of a really pretty frosty morning for sure. Um, I have a question again about lantanas that I'm trying to keep over winter. Um, I had asked you about watering them and you said, wait till, you know, the potting soil kind of shrink. So I have, I know I haven't been over watering, but they, they really, you know, look pretty dead. So should they have, I mean, the leaves are all, you know, browned up and everything. I mean, not, maybe they're not brown, they just dried up, but do you think I should continue on trying to save them or? 
No. <laughs> no. Lantana really don't like it. To, you know, they don't like to be a house plant. They, I mean, they can grow in greenhouses and things like that, like at the botanical garden or in that situation. But a normal home with the windows, even right in front of a really bright window, they just don't really like it, to be honest. Yeah, I looked it up online and they said you could probably do it maybe with a grow light, which that's what they're under. But they look, I mean, they look really bad. So yeah. I don't I don't think they they did well at all. But can I give out a tip of the trout to somebody, too? Sure. We had to have some maintenance done in our yard by Spire. And two of the nicest young men came out and they saw that our yard was really nice. And they had to cut back a piece of the sod and lay it to the side. And they dug so deep in our yard that I think the guy was halfway into the hole. And they put it all back perfectly. I just want to give a tip of the trout to them saying, you know, they did a wonderful job. We were concerned about it and, you know, going into winter, messing up the grass. But they did a great job. So tip of the trout to Spire, they're, uh, you know, maintenance people. Well, great. Yeah, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah, people are always complaining about everybody, but I just wanted to say what a great job they did. Maybe they're listening. Sure, (laughs) my pleasure. Yeah, and speaking of Spire in general, I I can't believe how many places throughout the city, and I don't know about the county, but throughout the city that they have crews working with this gas line circumstance. So it's really kind of amazing how much work they are doing, like, everywhere. So... And the you know to take the time to take care of your lawn that's really fantastic. So, thanks, Linda. Sure. And have now, a great day. Yep, you too. And uh, let's head over to uh, Robert's yard. Hi, Robert. How you doing, Mike? Uh, listen, I planted a Tonto crepe myrtle tree in July. It's a dwarf. How likely, or what can I do to make sure that survives for the winter? Well, just make sure we, it looks like we're we've had, you know, rain is predicted. We've already had some rain, so that's really important to make sure that the root system stayed, uh, you know, damp, not wet. But uh, other than that, you know, a couple inches of mulch around the top of the root ball, that's about all you're going to be able to do. And hopefully you put it in, you know, in a good location and it's well drained and beyond that, that's pretty much all you can do at this point. So spread the mulch around the uh, uh, trunk part of the uh, right. tree. Yeah, about uh, three to four inches of mulch should be adequate. I mean, you could even just do two, but just anything to give a little bit of you know protection to the root to the new root system. I got a forty-pound bag ready to go. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to need that much, but. Uh, yeah, just you know, mulch it and uh, just make sure the entire root ball is covered to protect it because we have no, or at least I don't, no idea what the weather's going to be bringing us for winter time because we're not even well, into winter yet. Will that start blooming in April or May? Uh, you think probably late, probably late May, maybe not until June, and maybe since it's really young. Uh, it may not bloom the first year in you know in place, but uh, hopefully it will. It had uh, red blooms when I bought it. It was really very pretty, so I hope it comes back. Right. But thanks a lot, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, when it, I mean when you, we buy things at uh, you know garden centers or nurseries or wherever, 
and they're in bloom. The, I'm not saying that uh, their circumstance is a little bit different than the normal some you know normal landscape or normal normal yard for most people. So let's head now over to Curtis Yard. Hi, Curtis. Good morning, Mike, and happy holidays to you. Same to you. I've got two questions, one indoor and one in outdoor. The first question is, I was at one of the box stores, and I hope I pronounce this right. They had some decent bakias yes. that were on sale, so I bought three of them because I'm trying to you know, get my plant game up like you. And uh, one of them has turned, the leaves are yellow, sagging, brown and sagging. They're real, some of them are dry, some of them are not so dry. And I'm just wondering, now the stalks are still nice and green, but a lot of the leaves are starting to turn brown and, and drying out. Um, is that plant, is there something I can do that might be able to save this plant? Does it mean I've overwatered, underwatered? It's, that it's too cold near this window or what might be happening with it? Well, it hasn't been cold enough to cause that kind of damage. So probably it was on a downhill spin and that's, you know, because of whatever reason. And it was just not as noticeable to you when you Um, actually bought it because it probably looked as good as the other ones. Usually Diffenbachia, they really, you know, they have really thick canes uh, and you know, in the foliage, but once the foliage starts going downhill, the only thing you can probably do as a result of that is maybe cut it, you know, cut all of you know the stem off to about a stub of about two to three inches, and see if you can encourage some new, you know, some new growth on it. But once they start turning color, those leaves are never going to, you know, look good again, and that stalk may not be able to produce any foliage you know, in the spots where the the leaves have gone bad. And like, for the most part, that's usually a circumstance where it's been overwatered. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Okay. Well, at least I still have two that are going, and I'm going to try, your, I'm going to try some of the experimenting with it to see what happens. My second question is an outdoor question. I still have some beets in the ground that I have not harvested. Is it, uh, do you think those things are still any good? Can I go ahead and pull them out of the ground now and uh, and just ha- and go from there? Or what should I do with my beets that are in the ground? I would say go ahead and dig them up. Okay, real good, real good. Well, I'll be having beet juice for breakfast tomorrow morning. <laughs> Again, thank you, Mike. I appreciate, I really do appreciate your show, and I'm so happy my friend Suzanne told me about you. She normally comes over and helps me to keep my yard together, but... <laughs> I'm looking forward to you joining us for one of your yard walks one day uh, so we can both get this right. <laughs> well, great. Well, good luck with your beets. But, yeah, I mean, right, uh, you. anything, you know, anything in the ground like that, beets and radishes, all that kind of stuff is still harvestable. So uh, give it a shot. All right. We'll do. You have a good one now. Okay. You too. And now Bye-bye. let's see what's going on in Robert's yard. Hi, Robert. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, Good morning from Maple Lane. I've got this um, uh, hibiscus that I've taken care of for years. Uh, it flowered really profusely this year, and I took some cuttings. I took three or no four cuttings, and uh, three of them went brown immediately. And uh, the fourth one, it's still green. Like I said, it's going on about four weeks, but it never rooted. You ever seen anything or heard anything like that? Well. You're expecting it to root. Did you use rooting hormone first of all? I did not. Oh. I just it's still it's still just sitting in water. Yeah. So 
and water is not going to be a good way to, you know, to root pretty much anything that's a woody type plant. And so okay. what you need to do is get some potting mix for, you know, for newly, you know, new transplants and get some rooting hormone. And when you take a cutting, make the cut at a 45 degree angle, then dip it mm-hmm. into the rooting hormone and then put the root, then put the, you know, the cutting into the potting mix for, you know, new transplants. Okay. Uh, any reason why this one st- stayed green and healthy and the other ones just uh, went the deep six route? Uh, basically, it's just like when you buy cut flowers at a store. Yeah, mm-hmm. Some of those flowers are going to go downhill quicker than other ones, and that's just what happened with this. Okay. Appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, it could stay green for, you know, for a while, but it's never going to root. You're never going to get really a plant out of it. Happy that. Thanks, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMWash Garden Hotline. If you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Art's yard. Hi, Art. Yeah, Mike. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, it might be my last hurrah, and I'd like to give several tips on my trial to people, especially when I heard 5% of the plastic is actually being recycled and that not only you but St. Louis Composting is taking the extra measures to make everything as environmentally as healthy as can possibly be. But my second tip would go to President of Education in St. Louis, Cudmeyer, William Cudmeyer. He says you learn to read comprehensively as soon as you can. It's the parent's responsibility. So I use that as a guide to know who to put my faith and trust in who are really coming through. Well, great. Correctly. Thanks, Art, for your comments. I greatly appreciate it. So we'll talk to you again. And let's go from Art's yard over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello. Hi. Hey, what's going on? My quick question. So I bought a distressed, uh, I bought a, an ignored home with a distressed yard, and I want to make it look good. Um, it's so overgrown, I think I'm going to scrape it. I want to save a couple of the plants that are good in there, specifically some peonies. What time, how would you dig, you know, at what point, what time of year would you dig them up? How would you store them? Is that possible? And uh, that's my question. Probably what I would do with the peonies, I would get the location where you're going to move them to prepared. Then you can dig the peonies up. But until that location is prepared, I wouldn't dig them up and put them in a pot and try to hold on to them that way. The only way that uh, I would say that you could put them in a pot would be to go ahead and dig them. You know where they are right now. Dig them up, put them in a pot, and then sink that pot into some space in your landscape that's going to be a sunny location. Okay. Cause, uh, and then what timing on scraping? Does it really matter because you start over at zero, but does it make sense to do it or before the before the winter or after the winter as far as setting yourself up for the spring? Well, basically, if you, let's say, scrape everything off, then you're going to have a sea of mud for months. So you, so wait till spring. 
So, yeah. So you got to wait until you can actually do something to make it so you you can either get some grass. You're going to have to, you know, you can't just scrape it off and then throw some grass seed down on it and expect you have a, a decent lawn. So uh, soil preparation, that kind of thing, maybe, you know, don't necessarily scrape it. Uh, you know, that's going to be just a real nightmare for you, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint. So just kind of keep that in mind, whatever approach you take. And uh, I would say rather than doing the whole yard at once, do a section at a time. And, uh, you know, let's say you oh, scrape not it. Not the whole yard. It's just an old garden, but rather large oh. garden up against the house. Yeah, it's not um, it's not the whole yard. No, okay. Sir. Well, then you're fine. Then I would say you could scrape that off, turn the soil over, add some compost to it, and then, uh, you know, kind of go from there. Very good. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go to James' yard. Hi, James. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Hey, just a just a quick question. Um so I'm I'm building the house now. It's going to be done done in January. Probably won't have sod or definitely won't have the entire yard sodded before then. But when they do come to sod the yard, what do I want to be looking out for? What can I do as a homeowner before they get there to make sure that the sod is happy? I don't have lumps in the yard, I don't have ditches, stuff like this. Right. Definitely do that. But also, this is probably subsoil that was pulled up out of the ground to make your basement and everything else. So this is probably terrible soil. So I would get yep. that improved, too. So you can head to St. Louis Composting, get some topsoil compost mix, and then mix that in with the existing soil and get, you know, like you said, get things level, get the ditches, you know, all taken care of. And be prepared because... You're going to be doing this during the winter time, and we're you never know what kind of rains and everything else we're going to have. So it's going to it's going to be a long, involved process, multiple years before you're going to have really a nice lawn. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking uh, maybe I'm assuming they won't do like the backyard this time of the year. Right. I mean, they were they were they were putting sod down yesterday at somebody's house, but nevertheless, in this your yard it's it's about three quarters of an acre of the backyard and they said they're going to sod it all but i can't see them doing it this time of the year yeah i'm know, surprised or january rather yeah i'm yeah they probably won't even i don't know who's doing it but uh the sod farms and everything else they're going to be able to cut it but just to again lay sod down on unimproved soil is going to be a nightmare hmm. okay all right, I'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, so improve, the, get the soil improved before they put any sod down. It's just it's, yeah. I'll go out to St. Louis Composting and talk to them and see what they recommend and get a couple truckloads out. I guess right. That's probably the best thing you can do. At least, all I right, mean, great. You're still going to have some you know, potential problems, but you're going to reduce them by a great percentage. All right, I understand. All right, all right. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And let's head over to Judy's. Hi, Judy. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a mandevilla that I brought in. It was growing this past summer. It's in a pot. I brought it in, and the leaves are all falling off. Should I prune it back, or what? Just what? And do, do I leave it out in the sun, or do I put it in a dark place? What? How should I take care of it? Uh, first of all, mandevillas. 
it's not going to really be all that good. So, I mean, we, you know, we've, I've even played with him a couple times and tried to bring him in because my wife really likes him and put him under grow lights and everything else. And they still just went downhill. So just realize that that's going to happen. So you can, you know, you can go ahead and cut those stems off and see if you can get some new growth, but keep it in, a, you know, the brightest you know, location you possibly can and make sure that you don't overwater. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. And now let's go and see what's going on in Hank's yard. Hi, Hank. Hello, Mike. Hi. How you doing? Uh, thanks for your show. Thanks for my show. Yes. <laughs> uh, I have a, a African violet, and it's doing very good. And Now, I would like to make another one. Could you tell me, do I cut a stem off and put it into water until roots form? And then potting mix? No, don't put it in water because it can't handle that. So anything with a fuzzy leaf like the African violet, they really want to be un, you know, drier than wetter. And putting it in pure water is not going to be the best thing to do. There is an African violet society here in St. Louis. And you might yeah. go, go to the uh, Missouri Botanical Garden website and find out their location. But probably you're going to notice that with the African violet, there's there's not just one crown with all the stems coming out of one place. There's probably a couple different locations where the stems are coming. So you're going to be pulling the African violet out of the pot, and then you know after you figure out where the you know where the let's say different crowns are in this single you know single in theory single plant that you have, and then you're going to divide it. You know, take those you know. The se- oh, I- separate them. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll try that. Yeah. But again, go ahead and check. Uh, you know, there's a potting mix for African violets. I would certainly, you know, invest some money in that. But check the Missouri Botanical Garden. It's mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org, and see what their website says. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Regardless of the weather, the weeds are still you know, out there. And whether they're perennial weeds or the annual cool season weeds, they are still growing. They don't care if it's foggy. They don't care if it's frosty. They don't care anything. They'll kind of slow down a little bit. But the you know the problem with the annual weeds is... They just keep going and going and going and until the weather gets warm. And the whole time they're producing seeds, and that's what the, you know, the pre-emergence and all that other stuff's all about. So the annual cool season weeds that you could probably see in your yard is uh, chickweed, annual bluegrass, and the henbit and uh, the dead nettle. And they're just, I mean, they're a nightmare. I've been fooling with, <laughs> fooling with them for a while. And... Uh, I you know I wanted to just see how much how long it would take to uh, to dig them as opposed to using an herbicide on them, and that's just because I like to do something sort of contrary to what I know is the best way to go, just to see you know as an alternative, and it's just uh, I might I might have to go ahead and put a pre-emergent down this year. It's you know. I have it pretty much taken care of in the front, you know, in the backyard, but my front yard has, uh, ooh, 
too much of it. But anyway, enough of that stuff. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open and a few more minutes for the show. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. few phone lines open. Let's head over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Hi, Mike. Hey, love your show. Hey, I have a question. We, uh, we've got our bulbs planted, our, our daffodils and our uh, uh, tulips. Okay. But every year we always lose some to the squirrels. Okay, is there anything that we can do to to cut down on that? Generally, the squirrels are not going to dig that deep to actually pull a bulb. Have you ever seen a, a squirrel with a daffodil in his mouth? <laughs> no, they, they, they mask that, I'm sure. But I can't imagine what else in our, our fenced garden area is coming in and doing it. Yeah, I don't think it's you know anything to do with wildlife. I think it's a particular bulb in that exact location— it's just it didn't get you know well rooted, so consequently it didn't flower. It had nothing to do with the squirrels. Well, but we fill in the holes, and all of a sudden there's another hole there, you know, where where something has come down and got, gotten it. Well, there there are you know there are voles and things like that that can't that do you know can munch on the bulbs, and they don't necessarily you know pull the whole bulb out of the ground. It's just like I was talking earlier on. About the squirrels eating on the you know the pumpkins that are sitting around, these you right. know these underground animals will just take a couple bites out of it, and that kind of you know send, sends that particular bulb down to rotting you know a rotting circumstance. Yeah. Okay. The other other thing is kind of a comment. We've used the Irish Spring before, and we've had really pretty good luck with that. But I found that if you hang it too low. Uh, there's something we've got around here that likes to eat it. Whoa! I mean, it, 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 I don't, I don't know what that animal is. If it's, a, if it's a raccoon, or if it's a possum, or what? I don't know what it is, but something. I mean, I'll, I'll hang, you know, half a bar out there on our uh, arborvitaes, and come back and find that it's basically been chewed up. You're kidding! That's totally no. wild. So. No. This is over in this is over in Illinois, and it's a whole another wild story over here. So I guess you should move to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to comment that that you know that really works well with deer and whatever, but you right. may not want to hang too low. That's true. Well, thanks for the tip. I mean, those are the kind of things that are really important. But I've never heard of anything eating the Irish Spring <laughs> ever. Uh, I'll, I'll try to take a. I'll take a picture of. Uh, some of the remnants sometime and try and send it to you. Okay, that sounds great. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh-huh. And now let's go to Dixie's yard. Hi, Dixie. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. I, I have a question about mulch. Um, my landscaper says that I need it, which I probably agree. However, he wants to dig up the old mulch and replace it with new. Is that the proper way? No. Why wouldn't he just put Old new mulch on top of the old. Yeah, you should because the mulch, if it's good quality mulch, actually is melting, decomposing, and that enriches the soil. So there's no reason to take that up 
and put some other stuff down on top of it. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to say anything until I talked to you. So, okay. And how, how deep should it really be, Mike? Well, around trees and shrubs, about four inches would be about the maximum. On roses, it's going to be deeper. You know, the, the let's say the hybrid teas, grandiflores, that's going to be eight to ten inches over the crown of the plant. And then around perennials, it's going to be about two inches. Okay. So then in the springtime, am I supposed to go out there and pull that away from the crowns of all these plants? No, not a, Okay, certainly just not. leave it. I mean, oh, some, okay. you know, some of the plants are going to, you know, have a, you know, somewhat of a tough time pushing the new growth up through the mulch. But for the most part, you know, the perennials and everything else are fine. The tr- the woody plant material obviously has got the stems above the ground right. anyway. But yes. uh, the perennials, uh, there's a few things that you could, it could be detrimental to them. But uh, that's kind of a, you know, to try to. Okay. So you should be fine. Well, thank you, because I didn't think he needed to take the old mulch up. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't mean no. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> thank you so much, Mike. Enjoy your show. Well, thank Goodbye. you. And now let's go to Connie's yard. Hi, Connie. Hi, Mike. This is Connie. Hi. How are you doing today? Good. Good. I just got rid of a uh, tulip tree. They cut it down for me, and it was just a monster, and I got so tired of picking up after it. I'm wondering what kind of uh, more of an ornamental tree that gets a little bit bigger than a smaller ornamental. And can I ask you, is the Bradford pears, are they stronger nowadays? Well, I mean, there's there's improved varieties, but they still, you know, they have the multiple trunks, you know, even though they're not all, you know, coming up out of the ground, that, you know, the angle in between the trunks is narrow, and that's where the problem with you know the the ornamental pears you know come from, and so consequently okay. some of the you know they've kind of improved that, so it it is a little bit better than it used to be as far as you you know let's say the trunks snapping off, but uh, okay. there's still going to be somewhat of a you know problem with it potentially. Uh, how- how close can I plant a tree to where the one I just took down? How close and how far away should it be, actually? If you got the opportunity, I would say 20 or 25 feet away. That far away? Okay, yeah, I have a big one. because I you do. said this was a big tulip tree. That meant the yeah. branching went way out. And then understand yeah. the feeder roots you know, went out as far as the branching did. Wow. Okay. Okay. One more real quick question. I have moles, something terrible. What do you suggest for moles? Uh, traps. That's the most effective. That's the only thing? Okay, that's what a neighbor told me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. some people will call and say, we put mothballs down in the hole, we did this, we did that. But uh, in the, not just placing the, the trap in one place, you know, you might have to keep you know migrating around where the new tunnels are popping up. Right, okay. All right, thank you so much for the information. You have a great weekend. Thank sure. you. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. And uh, we probably, I don't think we can get another call in because it's, you know, we're really tight on the time. But I want to thank everybody for calling in. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Wow. (laughs) Not necessarily going out shopping, which, uh, you know, Scott was saying, you know, in the news or the, you know, the national news, billions of dollars just spent, you know, on Friday. That just, you know, that's just absolutely seems incredible. 
But uh, anyway, you still got opportunities just to get outside and enjoy it, not necessarily have to work. But if you want to work in your yard, and I like working in my yard, so that's what I'm going to do after I get home, and uh, do it. I mean, it's you can still do a lot of different things. With Living across the street from Christie Park, we're starting to get the, the sycamores are starting to drop their last phase of leaves. And they're really tall sycamores, and so consequently the leaves are blowing in the yard. So I've had to rake several different times, and but that's you know that's a kind of the neat thing about uh, the outdoors. Sometimes it can be, oh, but most of the time it's not. So just have a good weekend and enjoy the sun. Mike Miller, KMS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.